0: This is the podcast by the Straits Times. So brave or so foolhardy? National marathoner So Rayong Sea Games dream axed. Manchester City bidding Liverpool to the Community Shield, but only just. And the spotlight falls on leadership in national sports associations. Welcome to a game of two halves, the Straits Times weekly sports podcast that is broadcast every Tuesday. I'm ST Sports Editor Liu Lin, and with me are my colleagues today, Assistant Sports Editor Lo Lin Fong, and Sports Correspondent Sazali Abdul Aziz. Sazali, it's been a dramatic week in athletics with the Sorayong saga, and then insults flying after. Please tell us briefly what happened.
1: Yeah, that's right. So So Yong, who was the 2015 and 2017 SEA Games Marathon champion, he had his nomination for a potential third gold medal on the trot rejected by the Singapore National Olympic Council, who basically said he has not met behaviour and attitude standards they expect of national athletes. Of course, this comes on the back of numerous clashes between SNOC and So Yong on a number of issues, including the MAP Awards contributions to the NSAs and you know, cutting his race vest at the 2017 SEA Games he says it's for ventilation just minor minor, I wouldn't say minor stuff like that but just issues that are debatable you know we saw from the reaction to his omission that a lot of the members of the public felt that he has met the qualification time for the 2019 SEA Games in the Philippines he should be given his ticket but the SNOC is saying it's not that easy so yeah over the last 72 hours there's been a lot of back and forth between the SNOC So Ryong, and even Singapore Athletics the NSA and yeah you know it's just a a topic which I guess fuels a lot of discussion and debate
2: now, how big a miss will Ray Yong be for Team Singapore? Big miss, actually. I mean, after winning gold medals in 2015 and 2017. So the point to note is he's not the first guy to win marathon gold for Singapore. You know, Mark Ingram did that in actually 2013. But the biggest thing would be also that in 2017, there were only two gold medals for athletics. One was Ray Yong and the other was Michelle Sung in high jump. And Michelle's, I think, was a bit unexpected. So we don't know how Michelle will do in 2019, the sea games in the Philippines. But, Ryong definitely. Judging from the names they put in for marathon and how far they were from the qualifying mark, I think it'll be really, really tough to repeat this time. You know, it will take a huge stroke of luck. So, big, big miss for Team Singapore, I think.
1: Yeah, which is why I guess a lot of people are also up in arms because I guess in Singapore. Everybody talks about results, performance. A lot of the comments like we we saw online about meritocracy, you know. And he has posted in 2019 the second best time by a Asian runner. Just a couple of minutes behind the best time. So going by that, he's certainly in with a shout for the gold medal. So I guess that's why, you know, Singaporeans like to win, you know. And then when you you have a potential winner and you don't send him, people start asking why.
0: Now, you, you said that his omission, or perhaps not the omission, but... You classified his acts of work as debatable. Mm. So... In your opinion, you felt that they perhaps did not warrant such a harsh reaction from SNOC? Would you feel that the SNOC's reaction was a bit harsh?
1: I don't know if harsh is the precise word, but I think it certainly could have been handled better. And with Ryong Ryong is a new breed of athlete. You know, uh, We don't really have too many of him around, meaning you know those that are, are really, really at the ready to go out and speak against the authorities and, and be totally upfront with his opinions and stuff like that. Sometimes the way he puts forth his views, like we say, you know, may not be the best. But you know, certainly certain things he has raised should be discussed. You know, like we're talking about the MAP Award, which uh, rewards athletes that win gold medals at games. Okay,
0: and we, that, know that yeah. Yeah. We, we know that some athletes disagree with Correct. the 20% so-called Contribution tax, that, that tax that goes yeah. back to the NSA's But many are afraid to actually speak out about this. But yes. Rayong is a different breed because he yeah. dares
1: to do that. And the other thing was the so-called blackout where you can promote your sponsors which he got into hot suit for with the SNOC before the 2017 SEA Games the IOC has relaxed its rules on athletes being able to promote their own sponsors so I guess you could say a bit that he was ahead of his time or maybe the IOC was behind time but yeah certainly uh, from the sponsors or people reaching out to me in light of this whole incident, a lot of people say, you know, maybe SNOC could have been a little bit more athlete-centric but obviously they don't provide specifics and SNOC were in a difficult position because like we said, you know, as Royong has has ruffled a rough lot of feathers, he has breached the code of conduct in Singapore Athletics numerous times. This is according to SA themselves. Mm-hmm. So, why then did SA nominate him? It's almost like SA just sort of passed the buck and let SNOC take the fall on this one but I guess that also raises the question about, you know, what's going on at SA, you know, at NSA level.
0: Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series, A Game of Two Halves, on Apple or Google Podcasts, or even on Spotify. Like it, give us a rating. Now, back to our conversation with Sazali. I think leadership in national sports associations warrants some scrutiny. Today, we had Nicole Chia doing a, almost what I call a deep dive mm. into the problems of NSA leadership. I think most of us can agree that it is difficult to get volunteers. It's a thankless task. Plenty of hours... No pay because most of these are volunteer positions. Yeah. You know, I asked Nicole to take a good look into the leadership issue. I felt there were too many controversies hitting the headlines in recent years. We've had lawsuits. We've had quite disgraceful instances of infighting and police uh, reports. Police reports, yeah. yeah. And actually, we had a police raid too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <A> very notable. <laughs> yes, one. a yes. very notable
0: police raid as well. So I just felt that it was time for us to examine the issue. And I've been a sports journalist for over a quarter of a century. You know, and to this day, it saddens. Me that our NSAs are still not that well run as they should be or could be, you know. And there's a lot more money in sports these days, you know, say from 1993 when I first started my career. I mean, both of you are also journalists of at least 10 years standing. So what has your experience been?
2: Unfortunately, I think all the problems that I knew of when I first started like 10 years ago are still there. Lack of funding, they can't find volunteers, you know, no succession plans for leaders, athletes not getting enough support or them claiming they're not getting enough support, infighting, politics, all that is still happening today. I think even though government or Sports Singapore has tried to put in some structures to ensure there are good plans or handovers, but in the end, they all brought down to the sport whether there are people who are willing to do it whether it's a political environment in a particular sport whether it's infighting or boils down to personality sometimes as well and funding as well you know? even though there are a lot of sports that are very well funded there are some that are not and that also causes problems for the sport
1: Yeah I think it's a very curious thing um, because like when Ho Man Chong and his team won the Singapore athletics election a number of years ago I remember it was so it got so bitter and it got so ugly at times they wanted to call it extraordinary general meeting and, and stuff like that to sort of push people out of power and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, and I keep talking to some of the affiliates in the ground and stuff like that, and, and I'm like, why do they want to be in power so bad? Like you mentioned, Yulin, there's no money in it for them. It's a thankless task. The spot is in the doldrums. Why? You know, and, and nobody can actually give me a right answer. I mean, you know, some of them suggest that, okay, they can influence some decisions or make things happen for some of the affiliates. But it's not as though I don't know It's it's a really really strange one for me but I mean going forward I think what can be done is if you look at Annabelle Panopata, for example she's a veteran sports administrator she has a number of international posts at the IAAF and the BWF I think so getting Singapore administrators to serve on international boards or international sporting associations I think that will sort of help in the long run you know to have more capable leaders you know who have been more exposed to internationally they know best practices and so on that could be one way but at the end of the day that's still the doesn't solve the lack of volunteer problem you know
2: so yeah I think the sports some sports sometimes also need to look beyond their sport there's a tendency for certain sports to be very insular they'll say oh why should this person be the president he doesn't know the sport he's never been an athlete he's not qualified but then sometimes maybe this person is the most professional and the best person to take the sport forward but the sport itself won't welcome the him or her because he's not been an athlete and they don't know who this person is so there's also a need for I think them to be more open-minded and welcoming to people who are from the Outside. Yeah, agreed. I think
0: that was Lee Kok Choi's point. People need to be more open-minded and I think just be a bit more mature. His point is really there will be conflicting opinions, but they really need to be mature and thresh this out in a more mature fashion. Sas, Man City winning the Community Shield. The game was action-packed, but how significant is this result?
1: To be honest, not at all. <laughs> you know, I think I saw a stat floating around Twitter that Man City are the first team to win five consecutive domestic titles or something like that. But it's clutching at straws. Everybody knows the Community Shield is not a major trophy. In fact, if you look at the starting lineups, I was a bit surprised Liverpool played their Basically, what was their best 11, minus Sadio Mane, who, who returned to pre-season a bit late because of the African Cup of Nations. But yeah, they basically played their strongest team. Ellison was in goal, you know, they had Van Dijk, and they had Fabinho, Salah was playing, whereas City sort of rested their stars, Aguero was on the bench, Edison, their first choice goalkeeper didn't play, and yet City still came out top, so, yeah, like I said, you know, you can't read too much into it, although, I guess, you have to be impressed at how good City looked, particularly in the first half, and, you know, Liverpool looked good themselves in the second half, and, and were, were good value for their equaliser, and hadi they the it boiled down to the lottery of penalties, and I think it was Wijnaldum who missed his penalty, and, and you know... They that sorted where the competition went. But like I said, you know, I don't think Liverpool players are going to be too downhearted and I don't think City is going to be like, Guardiola is going to be like over the moon exactly with, with the result either.
0: And on that note, there's the final whistle bringing to a close a game of two halves. Thank you for listening to us. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcastsbh.com.sg. At you can also check out more podcasts on various topics at the Straits Times and the Business Times online.